Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Awesome. Do you like that image up there that shows that tree just thriving? Standing out among the crowd? You know, Scott started us off talking about how thriving is a choice, and he couldn't be more correct. And our whole series is about what it means to connect to the source that grows good fruit in our lives, because that's what thriving is. That's really the definition of thriving, and it truly is a choice. It's not something that some people have an opportunity to do and others don't because of their circumstances. It's something that we can all have but we have to want it. You know, the Apostle Paul teaches us a great deal about what it means to thrive and what life is all about in that thriving zone. And Paul is one who tried it his own way, didn't he? He tried it every way possible except with God's power, and he learned that it was only with God's power that he could truly thrive under any circumstances. And for Paul, of course, that included prison, and chronic pain. And what he shared with all of us for all time in the New Testament is what God had shared with him. And so Paul went about sharing that with all of us by planting churches, planting churches everywhere back in the day and nurturing them with the truth. You know, Paul spent 20 years of his life traveling, going from church to church, teaching, encouraging, helping people thrive. And he, when he was in the, the region of Galatia, which is part of modern-day Turkey, at the time there were many Jews in the New Testament church, the first church, the early church. And the, the Jews had begun then teaching the need for the Gentiles to be circumcised in order to be Christ followers. And Paul was very upset. Because Paul, coming out of that whole heritage, knew that when Jesus had come to earth, that the only thing that his grace brought into the world that we had to do was accept it. If it's grace plus anything, it's not grace, is it? Because that definition of grace is something that we don't deserve, we can't earn, we can't give ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. And so Jesus coming to earth and dying in our place for our mess-ups and being resurrected with the power of God in order to overcome sin, our sin, for all time, we simply have to accept. And there is huge freedom in that. And it's crucial that We all, all believers in Jesus understand that and completely draw that in. And Paul was seeing that life in Galatia was not so much about that. You know, as humans are, we want to put, we want to wrap rules around everything. 
And we do it well-intendedly many times. But that's what was happening here. And what had created a, a, an environment of turmoil, an environment of confusion, an environment of backbiting and pride and selfish ambition, surely that was just for the early church. We've worked it out since then, right? <laughs> you know, people are people. And this all happened over this issue of circumcision, which isn't so much the case today, but we have these struggles with grace plus, wanting to add that in, that there's something that we have to do to earn God's favor and to earn this power in our lives in order to thrive. So while it may not be circumcision in our world today, we, we as the church, can even put this out there and say, well, it's accepting the gospel, God's grace, and your church attendance, or and baptism, or and if you tithe or not. And if you're involved in service, you're signing up for the small groups, you're helping clean the church, you don't have any bad behaviors, name them, name them, name them, name them. And those are all good things. But it's not grace. It's not grace, and it's not freedom, unless grace alone is enough. And Jesus tells us that grace alone is enough. And Paul got it. Now, it took him a while, but once he got it, he got it so completely that that's really the key to his message as he traveled from church to church to church to church. You're free. You are free. Christ has paid the price. So Paul does something to the church in Galatia, he, to the churches in the region, and he redirects them back to the humble ministry of Christ to replace their dysfunction. So we all end up in that place where we're, we want to do the right thing, but we slide back into the dysfunction. And he's looking at really what it means to get rid of the bad fruit that's coming so that the good fruit can come in. And in Galatians chapter 6, he tells them this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful to not fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you are, think you are too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. You are not that important. And so Paul was seeing this backbiting and this confusion and this stuff, this turmoil that was going on over this issue of circumcision, and he was saying... We need to calmly, gently direct one another back towards truth. And the truth here is all about freedom. And he leads them to this key point about thriving, which is back in chapter 5 of the book of Galatians. And Paul says this in chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, last week, we talked all about abiding, about being able to rest in that relationship with God, to let his power th flow through us. And Paul is saying that much the same way. By letting the Holy Spirit guide, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And there's two parts in all of this. And we're going to look at one more intensely this week and the, the other next week. But there's two parts that it really takes to get into a zone where the Holy Spirit is 
can, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your life. Well, even before those two things that you need to do, you have to want to. It's back to that choice. Do you really believe, really, really, really believe that the Holy Spirit guiding your life would be God's absolute best for your life, the best thing that you could possibly choose? And if you do, we've got to dump the junk. We've got to dump the bad fruit. We've all got it, and we all have a need to get rid of it. And then we have to replace it with something, and that's the good fruit. And this is that thriving process of dumping and replacing and dumping and replacing. And we can do it. Every one of us can. Today we're going to focus on what it means to dump the bad stuff, dumping that bad fruit. Paul explains the the bad fruit and the good fruit. The good fruit we call the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to deal with all of that, and we're going to touch on it today, but deal with all of the good stuff next week today. We're going to talk about the bad stuff. Yeah. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, he lays this out for us. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And then he adds the ever-present and other sins like these to cover the waterfront. So I got to ask, does any one of those or a multitude of those ring true in your life? Yeah, probably. If you don't see it spelled out specifically, it's probably in that category of other sins like these. We haven't completely overcome yet. We won't be completely perfected until we meet Jesus face to face in heaven. But we can dump the junk. We can get rid of it. It's possible. But this rotten fruit it's got to get out of the way before the good stuff can come in. Now, the Bible is 100% truth, but sometimes human beings have some pretty good ideas. And while Dr. Phil may not be a theologian, he has some good ideas from time to time. And Dr. Phil says, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. That is the one statement of his, and I like Dr. Phil, but that is the one statement of his that I can take to the bank, absolutely. We cannot change what we don't acknowledge. And what do we do when we, when we see some of this bad fruit in our lives? Well, some of us start to justify it. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. That used to be my classic defense line. It, I could always be worse. I'm not nearly as bad as that person. But if you think about what it really means then is I'm willing to accept less than I can be. And that's not okay. I mean, it's not okay to live life to the full. If that's our goal, to thrive, then it's not okay to just excuse our junk. And if you really think about that, that continuum of, well, I'm better than so-and-so, if you look at the, the worst, rottenest human being ever on the face of the earth, let's use Adolf Hitler. And Adolf Hitler is over here. And Jesus is here. Where are we? 
Well, we might be inside Adolf Hitler, but we're here, aren't we? We're still all just messed up in our humanness. And Jesus is here, and we're moving his direction with his power to have the kind of life, the thriving kind of life that he died to give us. But we got to dump the junk. So we can't change what we don't acknowledge, which means we can't justify our stuff. You know, Jesus loved us enough to die for us while we were all still sinners. And he won't love you anymore, not one iota more, if you get rid of all the junk. Will he? He can't. He loves you completely the way you are right now. He's not going to love you more. But your life to the full will get better. The fruit that you are producing will impact your own life and it will impact the world when we dump the junk. And that's a good thing. The bad fruit will keep us from living life to the full. And we can defend our rights and we can justify our responses until the cows come home. But there's an undeniable spiritual principle here and that, that is the bad fruit the stuff that Paul is talking about there, rots your ability to thrive. Think about bad fruit. Think about stinky, garbagey, bad fruit. That's what it is in our lives. That's what it's doing in us and through us. Bad fruit has to go. Not so that you're more religious, but so that you're more alive. God wants the best for you, but we get to choose. And sometimes we even like our bad fruit, don't we? It's not all that bad. Certain things about that bad fruit gives me pleasure. Sometimes when I have an outburst of anger, they deserved it. Sometimes those wild parties are fun. Sometimes I like to quarrel because I just want to win. You know how this goes, don't you? We like our bad fruit. We even come to appreciate our bad fruit until we realize it's rotten us out. So how do we dump it when we have all these reasons to not deal with it? Well, Miss Kirsten's wearing her Frozen hat today, and I say we just all sing the Frozen song, Let It Go, except I can't sing, so we'll, we'll spare you that. But literally, we have to let it go. Paul says in, in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Wow, that's powerful. The bad fruit doesn't go away easily. You got to kill it. You got to kill it. Our habits and hang-ups have to be acknowledged. We got to acknowledge them to deal with them. And then they have to be crucified. And here's the hard part. There's going to be some suffering involved with that. Because even the darkest, ickiest, bad fruits in our lives, it's going to cause some suffering to make that die. There's going to be a loss, whether it's a dysfunctional loss or not. There's a loss anytime we have a change, even if it's the best possible change for us. But there is hope, and there is change that we can claim. 
by getting rid of that bad fruit and replacing it with the good. The Holy Spirit produces a completely different kind of fruit that we'll, we'll, I'm going to share with you, but we're, we're going to dig into that more specifically next week. But the fruit of the Spirit, you know what it is. It's love and it's joy and it's peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's a life that thrives. A life that thrives is full of that kind of fruit. But it's one choice at a time. Instead of quarreling, patience. Instead of selfish ambition, kindness. Instead of drunkenness, joy in the moment. Instead of sexual immorality, self-control. One choice at a time. One bad fruit out in terms of a choice for a good It's something that we will kill over time, crucify over time, one choice at a time. I don't know about you, but I haven't found this to be a linear path where you start killing it and then it just dies and goes away, where you can pick patience every time successfully instead of quarreling or fill in the blank on whatever the bad fruit that tends to manifest itself in your life is. It's hard. And the enemy will whisper to you, you can't do it. It's just who you are. You're just an argumentative person. You're just a lustful person. You're just fill in the blank. And we have to recognize those lies for what they are. Absolute and complete lies because that is not the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. Our identity is to grow the fruit of the Spirit. So you won't make perfect choices, none of us will, but we got to start with that first choice. I'm going to bite through my tongue not to argue on this one. I'm going to choose patience, I'm going to choose patience, I'm going to choose patience. And slowly, the bad fruit dies. Eventually, we create habits. It's like anything else, eating right and exercising, you know the drill. We've got to create the habit. And to thrive, we have to make one choice at a time to dump the junk, to acknowledge what it is, and then to get rid of it. You know, it's not too late to change. And and my guess is in any group of people, this many people in a room, somebody's already heard that whisper in their head today. That's too late for you. It's never too late to change. But you can't change what you don't acknowledge. We have to name it. We have to claim it, meaning we have to own it. I have to name that I am an impatient person, claim that I really want to do something about it, and then I believe, and I believe we see this biblically all over Scripture, we need to get accountability. And we don't like that part either, because I don't really want to tell you all my stuff. And then I don't really want you to ask me about it so that I have to maintain my accountability for it. But that's how we grow, isn't it? That's how we thrive. That's how we are able with help and encouragement and the patience and the the nurturing that Paul talked about. That whole idea of if you are godly, help the person who is sinning come back onto the path isn't about some super spiritual saint coming in and and helping out all of us poor sinners. It's about us helping each other. 
and being there for the person to say, hey, I'm struggling here with this. I can name it. I, I'm a quarreler. I don't want to do that anymore. Can you help me? Can you ask me about that? And are you willing to give a safe person in your life permission to ask you, to help guide you, to call you when you want to do whatever it is that the bad fruit is producing and say, I am so tempted right now to jump right into this. Help me through this. Walk me through this. Pray with me. That kind of act of God's body of people coming together to support one another is the furthest thing from weakness. That is courageous. And that is filled with strength when we can be there in that way for one another. So we've got to name it. What's the bad fruit? We've got to own it. I struggle with this. And then we have to get accountability. Will somebody please help me with this? So you might have been wondering why we have a garbage can sitting up here. There's not a leak in the ceiling. We're going to dump some bad produce today. We're going to dump some bad fruit. And I've got a bowl here. It's, it's got tomatoes in it. And some of them actually still look pretty good. But trust me, they're not good inside. Some of them are all squishy and yucky, and we know they're bad. Some of them still look pretty good, but they're not good for us. They, they're bad fruit. They're bad fruit. They're symbolically what we need to get rid of. And sometimes I think a good object lesson helps us focus our way through this. You don't have to do this, but I'm going to challenge you that we're going to, Steve's going to sing a song for us here in a little bit, all about crying out to Jesus. And that's what we're going to have to do to crucify this bad fruit, isn't it? So whether you say it out loud, whether you say it in your head, whether you write it down, think about whatever that bad fruit that's still lurking in your life is. And if you're willing, come up here, grab a fruit, throw it in the trash can, dump it, make space for the right choices to bring the good fruit into your life during the song. We need to crucify this bad fruit, and if you want to throw it in there in a way that crucifies it, you just go ahead if you're mad at your bad fruit. <laughs> because there's too much of this, isn't there? Too much of it in our lives. Too much of it in our world. Let's take one step today. Dump the bad fruit so that we can grow the good. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we, uh, we don't have all this figured out yet. Lord, we are still very much human. And Lord, we know that you died to give us life to the full. And it's January 11th, and some of us who are even silly enough to make resolutions have broken them by now. And yet today and each and every day, each and every moment, Lord, is a fresh start opportunity with you. And so today, Lord, we're just going to name, claim, and dump some of the bad junk in our lives, symbolically. Father, we're going to ask you to help us, and we're going to ask you to give us the, the courage to ask somebody else to help us to crucify this crap in our lives 
so that we can grow the good fruit of the Spirit and that your complete glory can shine through our lives, that we can thrive. And in the process of us thriving, Lord, we make you known and famous and glorified for the world to see. And that has eternal impact, Lord. It's what we want. So we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Kind of makes me want a chef salad. <laughs> to everyone who's lost someone they love long before it was the time, you feel like the days you had were not enough. When you said goodbye And to all of the people With burdens and pains Keeping you back from your life You believe that there's nothing There is no one Who can make it right There is hope for the helpless Rest for the weary Love for a broken heart There is grace and forgiveness Mercy and healing Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.